cash definitely created a lot of interest this year. Cash was definitely not trash in 2023. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. As the year draws to a close, portfolio manager Alfred Lee and your host Mackenzie Box look back on the industry trends and themes that shaped 2023. In today's episode, they discuss fixed incomes comeback, inflation, AI, gold, Canadian banks, and cash. Before we hear from the team, Please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFs.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our ETF Portfolio Management Team. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I have Alfred Lee here with me. Now, this is our last show of 2023. So first off, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and providing comments and questions throughout the entire year. Today, we thought we'd follow a bit of a different format and take a bit of a different approach since this is our last podcast of the year and really do more of a year in review and talk about some of the key themes that we saw throughout the year. So with that, Alfred, first, let's start with the recap of 2023. We saw a renewed appetite for risk with the S&P 500 composite up 21% and the TSX up 4% and the NASDAQ up almost 40% and with only two weeks left of trading. Now, this is a pretty big change from 2023 where we saw broad-based equities experience a significant sell-off. So what have been the main drivers for this year's equity market comeback? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's definitely been a very different year than uh, last year, 2022. Um, a lot of headlines, but I would say the main headline has definitely been inflation, uh, without a doubt. I think coming into the year, I think the market had probably underpriced the deflationary or disinflationary pressures that we would see. And I think as the year progressed, um, when you look at a lot of the inflationary measures, whether it's CPI, PPI, or the PCE, which is the Fed's favorite of, uh, indicator to look at, it definitely showed that inflation was starting to come in. Um, so I think as the year progressed, there was the expectations that central banks would start to pause in interest rates, which caused a lot of repricing in the market. But you know, as I mentioned, I think as we moved into the spring for the BOC and the summer for the Fed, it became more apparent that they would probably start to pause on their interest rates and move to a policy that was going to be more data dependent. So another factor I would say, you know, as we started the year coming off of 2022, as you mentioned, it was a pretty ugly year. So um, I think the market was pretty oversold just because the Fed and the Bank of Canada and other central banks, for that matter, were essentially you know aggressively raising rates. So much of the markets, uh, both equities and bonds, were really oversold. So as we headed into the year. Um, because of that mispricing, there was a lot of easy gains. So uh, the first couple of months, there was you know low, a lot of low-hanging fruit and a lot of mispricing in the broad market in general. Another big story was the Magnificent Seven. So this is the big you know, technology and communication stocks and also Tesla. But exposure to those stocks essentially you know, drove returns for much of the year, add in you know, not just the tailwinds from technology, but also the tailwinds from artificial intelligence as well, which we think is going to be 
not just the theme for 2024, but just going forward as well. And that's why you really saw a lot of the discrepancies between one broad beta uh, index to another. So when you look at ZNQ, which is our NASDAQ ETF, that was obviously the clear winner just because of its exposure to the Magnificent Seven. And then when you look at ZCN, which tracks the S&P TSX, uh, not only did it not have exposure to the Magnificent Seven, obviously, but you know did not have a lot of exposure to technology either. So in addition to that, I think you know the other interesting thing was the factor performance in 2023. Uh, when you look at quality, for example, so ZUQ, which is our U.S. quality ETF, uh, that made a huge comeback after being the laggard in 2022. Um, low volatility also, which showed some massive outperformance in 2022, was the laggard in 2023. So definitely a changing in the guard when it came to factor leadership in 2023. So a lot of interesting headlines, but a lot of um, interesting changes in the market as well. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Want to reduce the risk of market timing or increase near-term growth? Our new range of BMO Structured Outcome ETFs can help you dial down risk or dial up equity returns. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZOCT, ZUEA, and ZEBA. You kind of alluded to this earlier, but in 2023, we saw a lot of headlines and a lot happened. Was there anything that surprised you or the broader team in the equity market specifically? I would say Canadian banks. Uh, this one, I guess, would be surprising, but also not surprising as well. And you know why I say that is because it's it's not surprising that there would be concerns about the Canadian banks, um, just because when in an environment where you have higher interest rates. Uh, that would definitely weigh on the loan book of a lot of the Canadian banks. Household debt at, in Canada also remains at record highs as well. So because of that, you would expect that you know you would get an increase in non-performing loans with a lot of the Canadian banks. Also should be noted that Canadian banks did set aside a lot of the provisions, uh, which I think weighed on the stocks throughout the year. But generally, anytime you have higher interest rates, um, a slowing economy, that's generally a not you know, not a good operating environment for the Canadian banks or any banks for that matter. But what was surprising was that when you look at the valuations of the Canadian banks, forward-looking P ratios were essentially, you know, 35% discount to the broader TSX. We did see a lot of fund flows uh, come into ZEB, which is our equal weight bank ETF. Uh, that was across the board, whether it's institutions, advisors, direct investors. So a lot of interest. So, you know, as a proxy to, you know, buying in the Canadian banks in general, we were just a little bit surprised to see that, you know, that interest didn't cause the Canadian banks to perform a little bit better. Uh, but I still think, you know, even where they're trading right now, they're still very oversold. Um, I think in 2024, if we do get those interest rate cuts by the Bank of Canada, that potentially will be a catalyst for the banks. Because one, you're going to get, you know, what we call a bull steepener, where short-term rates drop more than long-term rates. So you have potentially an upward sloping yield curve, which should favor the banks. And also, if interest rates start coming down, that should take a lot of pressure off the loan book um, for a lot of Canadian banks as well. So if those losses come in less than the provisions that they've set aside, uh, the Canadian banks should be uh, well positioned. So we do have a number of ways to play the Canadian banks. We have ZEB, which I mentioned, uh, which is our equal weight bank ETF. We have our covered call bank ETF, which is ZWB, and our recently launched 
ZEBA, which is our Canadian Bank's Accelerator ETF. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Now, moving on, let's talk about gold. Gold reached an all-time high a few weeks ago, touching 2135 US dollars per ounce on an intraday. Given the disinflationary pressure we saw this year, can you explain why gold was up given most other commodities were down this year? Definitely tend to be very sensitive to both inflationary and deflationary pressures. Um, that's why when you look at the commodity complex, obviously, you know, that's why they were down this year. Uh, there's two commodities that essentially buck that trend. There was oil. Um, so there's a lot of structural imbalances that we've talked about during the year about that transition to clean energy. So that um, essentially kept oil up for the majority of the year until a couple of months ago. So now it's down on the year. But essentially, when it came to gold, um, I think gold as a commodity is unique in, in many ways because it's used as a hedge uh, for many different things. So it's used as a hedge against inflation but also a weaker U.S. dollar and also geopolitical risk as well. Um, so even though we did see a lot of dis disinflationary pressure uh, built throughout the year, um, the expectations for the Fed to back off on interest rates ahead of other central banks like the ECB and the Bank of Japan led to a weakening of the, of the greenback. And in addition to that, we did see a lot of talks about de-dollarization, which came from the BRICS nations. Uh, we also saw a lot of central bank buying in terms of gold bullion as well. And additionally, from a geopolitical level, just with the ongoing conflict with Russia and Ukraine, but also the conflict that arose in the Middle East, um, and also within U.S., not just between the left and the right, but also between you know the so-called establishment and the the non-establishment, uh, that definitely caused a lot of geopolitical risk uh, to rise, which generally is good for uh, gold prices in general. Great, thanks. Parked, but not idle. Money market and ultra short-term bond ETFs offer a place to park cash and preserve capital while remaining highly liquid. And there are no lockup periods, unlike GICs, which means they can be sold at any time without penalty. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZUCM, ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and let's talk about fixed income. So fixed income also enjoyed a strong year, shaping up to be the first positive year after a rare two consecutive years of losses. Can you recap what happened in the bond market for 2023? Yeah, so similar to you know the equity market, I would say the performance in the fixed income market was largely driven by uh, interest rates. Um, so even though you know, central banks pause on interest rates um, or in terms of interest rate hikes midway through the year, uh, the longer term or longer term yields were pretty volatile. And that's because, you know, for much of the year, it was pretty unclear in terms of what the Fed and the Bank of Canada would do. Um, even after they paused, uh, there was some uncertainty whether they would hike here and there. Um, so that caused a lot of volatility on the long end. Uh, but when you look at the bond market, at the end of the third quarter, for example, uh, the bond market was in that loss position up until the third quarter um, this year. And, you know, the reason why is because uh, up until that point, we saw long-term bond yields move up significantly into the third quarter. But as we moved into the fourth quarter, uh, long bond yields started to come down. Um, a big catalyst for this was the Treasury refunding announcement. 
which is the announcement of what the Treasury needs to auction for the fourth quarter. So because that number came in a little bit lower than what the market anticipated, uh, that took some pressure off of bond yields. And then a couple of days ago, we saw the Fed announce their dot plots, uh, which took even more pressure off of, of um, bond yield. So throughout the year, I'd say from a credit quality perspective, uh, the focus was on high quality issuers. Uh, that's no surprise given that in an environment like this where you have pretty attractive yields from investment grade bonds, um, you know, that created a lot of interest for um, you know, investment grade corporate bonds. But in addition to that, when you look at investment grade corporate bonds, it's essentially, you know, corporate issuers that have more durable balance sheets. So when it comes to refinancing risk, it's going to be less of an issue compared to high yield. So right now, when you look at ZCB, which is our BMO corporate bond ETF, that was up 6% year to date uh, compared to uh, our aggregate bond ETF, ZAG, which is up 4.4%. So definitely a lot more interest in investment grade bonds, not a whole lot of interest in high yield bonds. What's going to be interesting next year is if interest rates uh, start to come off or if they start to come down, whether that's going to create some interest for high yield issuers as that refinancing risk or that risk of you know rolling that debt over uh, is going to be less of an issue as long as we have a strong economic backdrop in the back half of 2024. Great. Thanks, Alfred. And last but not least, cash has been one of the biggest stories of 2023 with money market and cash-like ETFs dominating fund flows. With the recent offseat decision on HISA ETFs, will that change anything for investors in the new year? Yeah, cash definitely created a lot of interest this year. Cash was definitely not trash in 2023. But even though we did see a renewed appetite and risk-taking this year, cash was still a very dominant asset class uh, in terms of fund flows. And you know, for good reason, I think. When you look at the overnight rate in Canada, it's 5%. It's five five and a half percent in the U.S. So when it comes to, you know, that equity risk premium, which is basically the difference between the expected return off of the equity market uh, minus the risk-free rate, um, because that's a lot skinnier in this kind of a market environment, you know, in theory, that opportunity cost of not being in equities is less of an issue in this kind of a year. And then when you look at the real rates, which we look at as the twelve-month um, T-bill backing out the year-over-year CPI number. That's been the most positive that we've seen in a very long time. So it's no surprise that cash ETFs were very dominant in fund flows. But in terms of the off-sea decision, I don't think that's going to change anything in itself. Um, just because, you know, with the yields of uh, HISA ETFs, they're going to drop by about 50 basis points come the end of January of next year, just because they're going to be reclassified from retail funding to wholesale funding. But again, that in itself, I don't think is going to cause a lot of outflow just because when you look at the yield with HISA ETFs compared to money market ETFs at the end of January, I don't think it's going to be a big difference. But what will change, however, I think is that a lot of the new flows potentially go into money market ETFs uh, like ZMMK, which is our money market ETF, or our cash management ETF, which is ZUCM.U. And the reason why is because I think you know if you don't get a yield uptick by being in HISA ETFs, I think a lot of investors are going to gravitate towards um, traditional money market ETFs and even ultra short-term bonds uh, just because the bonds and the T-bills are essentially held in custody rather than being loaned out and repurposed like we see in the HISA ETFs. So I think the interesting thing is going to uh, what we're going to see is next year, 
a lot of the new flows, I think, move into money market and ultra short-term bond ETFs. But if we do start to see rate cuts, um, I think potentially money starts to come out of the cash-like ETFs or cash ETFs and then into um, things like um, equity ETFs and bond ETFs as the markets start to rally. But as I mentioned, we do have a number of money market ETFs um, available. We have ZMMK, uh, which is our Canadian money market ETF. That distribution yield is 5%. And we have our U.S. cash management ETF. The distribution yield on that is 5.4%. So a lot of interesting um, ideas when it comes to uh, cash or cash management ETFs. Great. Thanks, Alfred. Those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for listening in, not just today, but throughout the whole year. And a special thank you to Alfred for summing up 2023 for us. Now, I do want to highlight we have some exciting things coming down the pipe in January. So look for a new portfolio strategy report and podcast to go along with that, discussing the new year outlook and portfolio positioning. And as well, we will have our annual BMO ETF industry outlook report for 2024 coming out in January as well. So with that, I just want to wish everyone a happy holidays and we look forward to seeing you in 2024. Thank you to Mackenzie Box and Alfred Lee for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO NASDAQ 100 Equity Index ETF ticker ZNQ, which provides convenient and efficient exposure to U.S. non-financial equities, including the Magnificent Seven, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, NVIDIA, Meta, Microsoft, and Tesla. Our team also discussed Canadian banks. The BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, provides exposure to Canada's Big Six, presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFs.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.